Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Oh, AfterBuzz TV. The destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello and welcome to a brand new UFC AfterBuzz TV. My name is Daria Baronado and I'm here with my lovely co-host, as always, Mr. George Hermosa and Mr. Jay Tan. Hi, Hello, hi. lady. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Oh, you can say it and I can't say it? Actually, yeah. Oh. That's how it works. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay, guys. So we're here talking about an epic event in UFC history. UFC 180, Verdum versus Hunt. It was supposed to be Velasquez versus Verdum, but last-minute injury changed that. But it was the first UFC ever to be in Mexico City, Mexico. First one ever in Mexico as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was exciting. What did you guys think of the Mexican fans? Um, the fans themselves, uh, I, I think they're really happy, obviously, to, to finally have a UFC event and presence in, right. in Mexico. This is really a big step in general. Uh, this pay-per-view was... Uh, teamed up with the Ultimate Fighter Latin America series that ran mm. on Fight Pass. Um, it was Team Mexico versus Team Latin America. Cain Velasquez uh, was coaching Team Mexico and uh, Fabricio Verdum, obviously, the, the rest of Latin America. And and so this was the culmination. You know, This is the, the icing on the cake, as it were, to that whole series uh, season. Um, not the not the main event that Cain Velasquez fans wanted. He unfortunately had to withdraw just about a month ago, I think, mm. uh, from injury. But you know, we got in just as exciting a fighter, Mark Hunt, uh, kind of a, a cult hero in in the MMA world. Um, and I think the event itself is really great first step, big splash into that market. Um, I'm looking at the card here, and you know, of my notes of the main card. We didn't have anything go to round three, in fact. No. Very exciting matches on the main card. The undercard was made up of some pretty decent matches as well. A few of them went to decision, but uh, you know, generally speaking, we're, we're quite competitive. Uh, we had a nice women's match. We had some, uh, some gore on the undercard here. Some, yes, we did. Some blood and guts. And uh, the top two, top two matches in the prelims were, um, were finals in, of the Ultimate Fighter uh, Amer- um Mexico versus Latin America series. Right. So we've got two new official UFC fighters from uh, Latin America. Um, excuse me, I should. <laughs> yeah, Rodriguez. Should, yeah, yeah, Yale Rodriguez and Alejandro Perez. I would have to double check. Let's see, Alejandro Perez. I believe uh, he was with Kane uh, team, so that would indicate him as Team Mexico. Right. And Yale Rodriguez, I believe. Actually, I believe he was uh, with on Kane's team as well. So. Mm-hmm. Two new fighters officially in the UFC, and they are Mexican. Yes. So we've got uh, two new stars for the whole country to, to rally around. Yeah, uh, I mean, Yale Rodriguez got fight of the night, right? He got no, the. It was Henry Bionis versus Guido. Right. Canetti. Which was another fantastic one, uh, actually on the Fight Pass prelims. Yeah. Right. Still the the ultimate fighter 
contestants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we had several several matches here where uh, guys from tough Latin America debuted against each other. Right. Uh, let's see here. I believe. Um, I, I'd have to double check my notes, but Gabriel Benitez versus Umberto Brown. Uh, they may have been uh, Ultimate Fighter guys. I'd have to double check that. I'm honestly uh, not t- quite sure yeah. about that. I mean, I thought I think it was a pretty great show as well. Uh, especially every few years, UFC kind of dabbles with going to somewhere for the first time, trying it out. Uh, I know a few years ago, he went to Abu Dhabi, was headlined by Anderson Silva versus Damian Maya, and mm-hmm. because he wasn't too thrilled with Silva's performance, he was pissed. He, Dana White, talking about Dana, Dana. White Dana White was furious at Silva. He thought Silva was embarrassing. He was like, "I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to create a new market here in Abu Dhabi. How did you? How would you fight like that?" Like, Silva I mean, was clowning Damian throughout a lot of that match. It was five yeah. rounds, right? Went all the way. Yeah. Yeah. But now, just kind of fast forward to last night, going mm-hmm. into Mexico for the first time, definitely, it's always that risk factor of, oh, is it going to be a good card? Is it not going to be a good card? Uh, or good fights? Um, I mean, thankfully, there were there was interest. I mean, the whole 21,000 arena, mm-hmm. 21,000 people seat arena, sold out in only eight hours. Right. So these Mexicans, they're, they're, they're fight happy. They want to see uh, mm-hmm. UFC. They've been waiting Definitely. for this. We've um, seen Mexican fighters over the past how many years on The Ultimate Fighter, and they're always so, they always have so much heart, and they're always the, mm-hmm. some of the most passionate fighters we've ever seen. Yeah. So bringing the UFC to Mexico for the first time seemed like a no-brainer to me. I always thought it was going to be you know one of, the, one of the best crowds we could draw. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen over recent years Ireland, Sweden um, are two of... Canada, Maybe. when they first went Canada's there. Canada's a great mm-hmm. example. Uh, well, God, when George St. Pierre fights in Canada, it's probably like mm-hmm. the biggest, uh, most ambitious crowd we've seen in the UFC. But, and Brazil as well, of course. Yeah. But um, I, I really had high hopes for Mexico, and it didn't let me down. I thought it was a great crowd. Um, like George said, it pulled 21,000 people, yeah. sold out in just eight hours. Yeah. Um, we got all main card finishes. Mm-hmm. I and mean, what more could we ask for? And then we had Kelvin Gastelum, who's. Obviously, an up-and-comer. He won the Ultimate Fighter 17 uh, against 17. Uriah Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that season was Uriah Hall's season. He was dominating, ev- sending everyone to the hospital. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Kelvin Gastelum, who was Chael Sonnen's last pick, mm-hmm. comes and beats him in the finale. So he's definitely a guy with a lot of drive and hope behind him. And he proved that tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the crowd went maybe went the craziest for him against yeah. Jake Ellenberger. Could have been, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean... They they did go a little bit a, bit, a little bit wild, which we'll talk about later over Verdum, but um, maybe because of he's from Brazilian descent. I mean, he still is fluent in Spanish, so obviously he can connect with the Mexican audience. Right, right. His walkout song was very you know Mexican heavy. So yeah, but he I was agree specifically with you as far as representing the the Mexicans. I think right when yeah. uh, I believe it was in his post fight uh, in the the press conference afterwards where he mentioned that um, because Velasquez had fallen out of the main event. That he took it upon himself to represent uh, Mexico. just the whole Latin America, yeah. in general, because it's exactly. not just Mexico that speaks Spanish. It's pretty much every Latin or Central and South America, with exception of Brazil, mm-hmm. right. which is the main uh, uh, language, is Spanish. Right. So yeah, in some ways, even though I'm not Mexican, I am from South America. I did was able to relate to Fabricio Verdum in yeah. the form right. of that Latin America market. You know. Well, let's just say that Fabricio Verdum is now the interim title. Mm-hmm. Um, Very much true. And a which, UFC heavyweight champion. heavyweight champion. The fifth ever, I think they said, uh, mm-hmm. I think they were saying. Uh, he's the fifth e- ever interim title holder. He now gets his shot against Cain Velasquez. Uh, assuming that assuming Kane's that heavy. Kane or Kane's healthy. Healthy and comes back uh, on time. It's uh, scheduled for January? 
Uh, they were aiming for March, maybe toward the spring. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. January is a little too soon. Sometimes especially early next year, Especially though. with a lot of the fights, the main event of the January fights already being determined. I think they're aiming for March, April, hopefully. Right. Um, they were talking about how if Kane happens to get hurt again, they'll drop the interim from the UFC uh, heavyweight champion that Fabricio Verdum Holden. Who knows? Maybe we might and see him be uh, Fabricio Verdum officially as the undisputed champion. UFC heavyweight right. champion. But yeah. who knows? If they strip it from Kane, it would go to Verdum. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, Kane Velasquez hasn't fought in over a year. So, I mean, here is a champion who, I mean, again, like you said, I mean, it's not his fault. He wants to fight. I mean, you can't help but, you know, feel for the guy. He wants to fight. He wants to get in there and, and defend his belt. But, I mean, there's really nothing you can At the same time, do, the title know? needs right. to be defended. Yeah. And the, the train needs to keep going. The show must go on. Yeah. You know? And it's not unrealistic to to keep that keep that title moving. If you need to take it off of somebody and put it on to somebody who – is active and is defending it as the top guy other right. than uh, whoever is, is injured on the shelf, then, you know, that's that's how a sport works. That's how a, a any business, any endeavor works. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, something happens to the president, goes to the vice president. Yeah. It's the I mean, same it thing happened with, with uh, Dominic Cruz. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think they learned Cruz. a lot from Dominic. I think yeah. they gave him as much benefit of the doubt and leeway as they could. And it ended up being over two years. But, mm-hmm. hey, now he has a chance to come back on his rise and, yeah. and build himself again. You know, the comeback is always a good story Dominic as well. Cruz. Now he can essentially, yeah. you know, totally. win back a, a belt or a title that he never re- really lost to begin with. So right. yeah, kind of adds to the storyline as well. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with the whole Kane Velasquez thing. I mean, the Kane and Verdum was going to happen eventually, so... Yeah, I would have been upset to see Mark Hunt win. Not that he doesn't deserve it and not that he's not a great fighter, but Fabricio Verdum has been on kind of a slow and long path to the title shot. Mm -hmm. And I think he he, uh, really earned it. And I think if he were to lose that opportunity... With one of those, you know, crazy Mark Hunt overhand rights, it would just be sad to see. Yeah. Not that Mark wouldn't have deserved it as well, but uh, I'm glad that Fabricio Verdum got it. They asked Dana White uh, at the not the post fight conference, but just post fight interview. You know, after the show happened, they were like, "Oh well, here's a guy who lost to Junior dos Santos what three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, got cut from the UFC. Right. You know, goes to strike force, fights a few times, submits probably what everybody thinks the greatest." Heavyweight of At all that time, time, certainly was of the all time. Yeah, yeah. Fedor Emelianenko submits him. Not only submits him, but that's his first loss in what that first really good it was, loss. Like in, in some ways, his only loss. The only other loss he had in Japan was because was of a cut due to a cut. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, here's the guy. So all of a sudden, everybody knows who Fabricio Verdum is because he's just he just submitted Fedor Emelianenko. Like that's the biggest deal in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, then of course he comes back to the UFC and he's just been on a tear since he came back. I mean, mm-hmm. submitting guys, knocking people out. Travis Brown. Uh, and this Roy is Nelson. this is to say what um, the the UFC, the world of the UFC, and the and the lay of the land of MMA is now. In some ways, it was the same thing previously, but uh, in in shorter uh, shorter form and, and lesser uh, lesser opportunities. Now. Somebody can have a, a, a so-so moderate or even bad run in the UFC if they get there, fall off, go somewhere, get let go, go. Excuse me, get get let go by the company. Right. Go on a tear, come back and impress. There are opportunities for a second and third shot. Fabricio Verdum is one of the biggest success stories of that. Uh, somebody else was on the tip of my tongue. Um, Jamie Varner, to a certain extent, he came in and you know. 
um, got a shot and impressed guys enough. I think even though it was a last-minute replacement, when he returned, uh, impressed people enough in that match yeah. that they continued to give we were, him a shot. We were just talking about who right. Hector Lombard's next fight is, and it was against Josh Bergman, another guy who mm. UFC got cut, did his thing everywhere else, and now, mm-hmm. look, he's back fighting one of the top welterweights yeah. in the world. UFC is is always, in my opinion, been an organization of second chances. They let guys kind of filter in. If they don't work out right away, they let them go. But they're always welcoming Just about anybody. Yeah, yeah. We said in a couple weeks ago, you've got to really screw up mm-hmm. to, to, to be banned for life from the UFC. Right. There's two guys that come to mind that I think – We'll, we'll never be back. One of them possibly could, but... Uh, Who? Um, well, Tiago Silva, I think, is probably gone for life. Right. Um, Paul Daly is obviously signed elsewhere, but after he took those shots in his fight against Josh Koscheck a couple of years ago, right. after the end of the match, I believe it was right after the end of the third round, he took a couple swings at Koscheck, I believe, over the referee, just right. over the referee's shoulder, right. and that pretty much sealed his face. Hopefully, uh, I can think of one more war machine. Yeah, well, I, I don't think he's going to be allowed anywhere outside of uh, outside of bars. Yeah, I, not you know? for a while, at least. Yeah, he's he's not he's not going to be allowed into a free country or a free society, let alone the UFC. Yes, that's a that's a fair third. Um, so anyway, how do we get on that morbid topic? We're, just <laughs> we're, we're celebrating Mexico here, man. On a yeah. happier well, note. So we're talking to about Verdum from, you know, okay, started yeah. from the top, went to the bottom, and now it just shows that... And well, now we're here? It just, yeah, you know it just, it pretty much, yeah. yeah. He, he's, <laughs> Verdum is definitely not like of that same company as those other three. just one of those three. guys where, just a message out there, just because you got cut isn't the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you lost. Now look at that. He lost. He's got five losses on his record. Now guess what? He's the UFC interim heavyweight champion. Right. It's not the end of the world just because you lose. So yeah, no, of course not. Mind, you know, it, I was looking at. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I was looking at all of the the champions' records just because they're posted mm-hmm. right next to their you know their title. And I think the the most as of now, the mm-hmm. most losses a champion has is two. Two, yeah, yeah. So it, Verdun of would the reigning champions be, now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Verdun would Velasquez be the first has to have one. Jones has one. Aldo has one or two, maybe. You know, but this, at the same Jewish time, I think yeah. that that definitely speaks to the the caliber of champion that we have now reigning right. throughout uh, the UFC. But at the same time, you know, when you talk about guys like Randy Couture, who was, I believe, geez, three three or five time champion, two different weight classes for sure, three different championships, I believe, at least. Um, and, and he had a record that had a lot of uh, a lot of losses. I think it was like seventeen and nine or something. Right. But the guys that he lost to Speak were volumes. Yeah, exactly. We're right. beasts. You know, we. I always will hearken back to the adage that it's better to lose a great fight than win a shitty one. Absolutely. Um, there's so many guys that I know in in my circle of you know pro MMA fighters, not in the UFC that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just their chances of getting into the UFC fighting a great fight that they lost. I've heard stories, you know, over the years of people being like, oh, you know, I, I just talked to Dana White, you know, I just got signed with the UFC and I lost my last fight, but he loved how I performed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He really looks at the performance and the mm-hmm. heart and, and the value of the fight, yeah. not only the, the decision, because sometimes we know uh, with MMA, crazy things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? To, to add to this point, Mark Hunt is a great case in point right there. He does not have a great... A huge MMA record, right? Uh, if you if you look him up real quick, George, um, but he was the number four ranked guy in the top ten in the UFC. I mean, he came into the UFC with a five match losing streak, yeah, and he lost that. his first UFC fight. Guys, and then like, again, he won his next four by 
dramatic fashion knockout of the nights, yeah. you know, fight of the nights. Right. I mean, and he just got he just came off getting, getting a title shot. So to a certain extent, it was the uh, his rise to being number four was part of the uh, the lay of the land of the heavyweight division at the time. Mm-hmm. But that's the case no matter what. And for every fighter, so that's kind of a non-factor. You know, it's it's unfair to say, well, Mark Mark Hunt is high only because all the other guys are you know injured or on the sidelines or whatever, whatever, dude. You know, that's the lay of the land, and that's how it is. And if you work your way up, mm-hmm. then you have earned your way up. There, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of curious if anybody has ever been uh, fired or released by the UFC after having a fight of the night. I'm just kind of curious. Anybody, any, fight, anybody, I, anybody who knows that answer. I can f- figure it out, but it's going to be time-consuming. Yeah, anybody else that knows it, hit us up yeah, on YouTube. Anybody, has anybody Drop ever comments. been released after having a fight of the night? Directly after. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Unless, unless he gets like a, a, a taken away any kind of drug-related overturn or something like that. Everything being clean, being let go from the UFC after having a fight of the night. If anybody knows the answer, I want to know. Because <laughs> that just shows you perform and you're going to get kept. Win right. or lose, you're going to get kept. So, right. Yeah, I mean, I look at guys like Diego Sanchez that will never be let go from the UFC. <laughs> he doesn't have an undefeated record or, you know, mm-hmm. am- amazing uh, amazing MMA on paper. But you watch the guy fight and you're like, oh, my God, it's never a dull moment. He has and heart. He, he has a lot it. of heart. And Dana White loves guys like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's start from the bottom of the main card. We had Edgar Garcia versus Hector Urbino. Hector Urbino uh, won via guillotine in the first round. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of that one? Um. All of these matches were, were, were fun and exciting. If right. I remember correctly, uh, Garcia had a takedown early on. Hector Urbina escaped. Um, there was a lot. It was like Choke City, this, yeah. uh, uh, this, this show. Um, he got a, a Darce choke in um, and then switched that to a, a guillotine choke um, and was just uh, – looked a little bit like a, a crank. It was, it was very mm. – um, uh, as Jim Ross would say, a, a modified guillotine. Right. Not quite your traditional conventional grip. But, you know, it looked like he was cranking on the neck quite a bit. I remember it was a standing guillotine mm-hmm. uh, against the cage on Edgar Garcia. And, uh, you know, Hector Urbina is a, a veteran from uh, Ultimate Fighter Season 19. Mm-hmm. Um, bo- to, ex- to an extent, both these guys, it was a return to the UFC. Um, Hector, I don't know that he ever had an official UFC match. Not that I saw on his record, but was on the season and then had fought elsewhere uh, and then came back. Uh, Edgar Garcia, he actually fought in the UFC way back at 107, uh, UFC number 107. Mm-hmm. So for both these guys, it was a it was a return and uh, really fun uh, fun match. It was know? a competitive match as well. Hector Urbina has 11 first round finishes, mm-hmm. so he's definitely a finisher uh, to say the least. Um, next we have Augusto Dodger Montanano versus Chris Stump Heatherly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heatherly had really good wrestling. Uh, he was really ambitious with his takedowns in the beginning. He went for a double yeah. leg, didn't get it, went for the single leg, finally took him down mm-hmm. uh, and stayed on top of him for a little while. But it was TKO by Augusto in the first round with knees. Those knees were brutal. And, and it wasn't even knees to the head. It was knees to the body. It was body. knees to the body. Yeah. 90% of the knees were to the body. Which I think hurt more than the ones of the head. Yeah. That he, just takes the wind out of you. And could crack your ribs pretty much your mm-hmm. liver I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for those any kind of shots to the body because everybody's so focused on trying to get to the head or knee to the bot or knee to the head but what don't forget the body the body can be just as damaging as those much any other body will part. stop your ass <laughs> you take too many of them yeah i've never been stopped in sparring by 
a kick or anything to the head, a blow to the head. But I've been stopped multiple times by yeah. kicks to the liver. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always the body shots that kill me. Or, like, that that good, like, upper gut punch that goes right oh, yeah. in your solar mm-hmm. plex and yeah. just, oh, and you can't breathe for, like, five minutes. Um, yeah, I'm all about body shots, too, George. I don't know uh, how much the adrenaline plays a factor to them, but if you hit hard enough, I'm sure the wind's going to get knocked out of you mm-hmm. and it's going to take a toll. Yeah. I think that there must have been something like that happening with, uh, uh, with Heatherly because uh, – Dodger, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Augusto Montano. The, the Mexican Dan Hardy. <laughs> Something like that you with the hair, right? With that crazy <laughs> yeah, hair. Yeah, so he's got this weird, bizarre red mohawk, just straight up fiery red uh, and, and a clean mohawk. I call it a flow hawk. A flow hawk. Because it kind of just flows, floats on like the top of his head. Yeah. It, it's not like spiked up or anything. It just kind of hangs there. He's definitely a visually memorable guy. Yes. But he lit up uh, Heather Lee pretty badly against the cage uh, and scored a takedown. Uh, Heatherly got up, but then, you know, the knees to the body, it was just incessant. And, um, you know, people don't realize how much that shocks the system. Um, when you take those body shots, it, it's it's like pulling out the spark plug kind of uh, on a car, right? Right. And you just, you, you can't move anymore. You're stopped, and which makes you, uh, what's what, open game. You're, you're, you're a sitting duck right there. Right. And I think it counted like 16 different knees yeah, it was going all over the place on heavily. I think one of the things that happens when someone flurries you like that, not, mm-hmm. o- not only punches, but knees is even worse. You're up against the cage. You don't have that like five seconds that he would need to recover to react back. And that's when the ref says, you know, protect yourself, protect yourself, defend yeah. yourself, defend yourself. You have two, three, four, five seconds, depending on how hard the hits are coming, mm-hmm. to yeah. show that you're fighting back. And if you don't, the ref's going to stop it. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't out or anything, but he wasn't moving at all. And Big John had no. seen enough and just said, He was covered up. He was like, you don't were touch done. me anymore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next on the card, we had Ricardo the Bully Yamas and Dennis the Yamas. Menace Bermudez. Mm-hmm. Dennis the Menace. Is he a menace? In the ring. and the cage, he is. He is. Uh, Seven fight winning streak going into ten- uh, yesterday's fight whew. against Ricardo Lamas, who just came off a title shot against Jose Aldo back in February. Yep. Was as far back as February? I think so. It was, I got, okay. it was Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Actually, I thought that was uh, – that, that seems sooner to me than than what I would have expected um, or, or more recently, oh, yeah, rather. Yeah, yeah, He fought. Oops. He fought in June. <laughs> that's all right. Not a big deal. Who did he fight in June, Horge? Hakran Diaz. Hakran Diaz, that's right. It was a win by unanimous decision. Um, Lamas looked really good. So here's here, – I have mixed feelings about this tell match. Me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Uh, on paper, I knew it was going to be great. It was action-packed. We got a nice first-round finish by uh, Ricardo Lamas. Guillotine choke with the nasty, uh, you know, BJ Penn uh, leg over trapping the arm. That guillotine, though. Yeah. That oh, yeah. guillotine, though. I By mean, all we means. could hashtag that and trend that on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. Yes, it was. Joe Rogan was ranting and raving about it, and both I think these it guys it. looked really good. They they showed up. Uh, Lamas definitely had the better night. Uh, dropped Dennis with a jab. You know, jumped on the guillotine and you know got repeat that position. sentence. He dropped Dennis with a what? Dropped Dennis. Did I say drop? He, no, I, you said it right. I was, okay. I just dropped to Dennis with a jab. Yeah. And <laughs> with a jab, yes. Yes. You I said me. he dropped him with a guillotine. That would have <laughs> been stupid. He got that guillotine. It's, it's rare that you hit someone square on the chin with a jab and they just drop like that. Unless they're off balance Not and they fall backwards. Not saying it's impossible, but it's rare. But, so here's the thing. I, 
I've watched these guys fight. And I, I know their records. I've seen them. Uh, I've seen plenty of time of them in the cage. I could not get myself built up to be excited about this new match unless I knew – because I knew who they were in the cage, I knew it would be a fun match. But on paper, to a casual fan, Ricardo Lamas and Dennis Bermudez, those names do not move the meter. These are guys well, that – if you say it like that. Dennis, <laughs> the menace, Bermudez versus Ricardo, the bully. They, they need to say it like that yeah. because these are two guys saying. who believe so much in their skills and they have them to be sure. You know, you, you get so much, um, you get so much of their, their performance, their skills in the cage, but you don't get that in the personality. Um, these are not guys that I, I care about to, to know about or follow other than that they may be, uh, top 10 guys. So in the division. are you saying like their athleticism? I need more personality from okay. these guys. Not everybody can be a Conor McGregor. I'm sorry. I'm Well, I, maybe I am asking <laughs> a little bit that they need to be. You know what? You do need to be to a certain extent. You don't got to sell it completely like him. George St. Pierre was very confident. He was not a cocky guy that talked a lot of crap about anybody. You don't have to be he would let people to stand be, out. No, you don't need to be copy to stand out. Exactly. But you do need to stand out and something more than – yeah, I've been working on my skills. I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm Don't better than ever. Don't you hate hearing that after a fight? And this is going to be a great match. It should be really interesting. Bring a lot of challenges. Uh. Can I just say, that's how awesome Conor McGregor is. The fact that he single-handedly has put so much interest in that one division that needed that extra oomph. You know, because well, it's no, yeah, it's just between him, whoever he's talking about, because he's talking no, about him, saying, but the and the champion Jose Aldo. No, but I'm saying that the fact that he, because before Conor McGregor, who else was there? Everyone else is kind of like, oh, whatever. But now McGregor here is like talking yeah. talk about everybody. I always like that list. division. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I always thought that was an interesting division, but. Uh, Conor as far McGregor as personality wise, definitely put a spotlight yeah. on the division, and he's he, got personality. He what he does is he triggers everyone else. He kind of puts like a little bomb in everyone else's pocket, so it's yeah, like maybe. once once he says something, it lights everyone else's fuse, and yeah. then there they go, and they're talking back, and they're doing this. And, and you, we got a little bit of it with Chad Mendes, but again, it was verbal counter striking to Connor's uh, Connor's verbal jabs, <laughs> right? You know, well, we counter striking, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the same thing that we're getting uh, that we'll get with Ricardo Lamas that we got with Dennis Bermudez mm-hmm. in regarding this match. Um, I'm just it doesn't jive me. See, I get it. You know, I, I think. I think, I think. Cub Swanson, same thing. I think for the fact that it was placed on the card, I think it was fine. Can it be a main event? Absolutely not. Right. But I think for third down the list, I think it went fine for what it was yeah. as far as the buildup goes. Yeah. To fine, both it was fine. To both guys' credit, uh, the match delivered. But I was not at all. I. I didn't care at all about seeing the match going into it. Let me just put it to you this way. Uh, we had how many MMA fights this weekend? Shoot, a lot. Yeah, uh, a we, lot. Not oh, just UFC. I'm talking yeah, MMA. Two other shows. Yeah, yeah. If, we would, if we were to count all the matches we had this weekend, I would say we probably had like, I don't know, what, 40? 10, 10, about, 10. Yeah, 30 to 40? Yeah, yeah. Probably 30 to 40 matches, okay? Yeah. So for MMA fans, uh, let's just say you're just a UFC fan like us, mm-hmm. right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and you have all of this MMA to watch, all of this UFC to watch. You guys have to do exactly what Jay is saying. You have to make a name for yourself, or we don't know who the Tell hell. Tell them. I, Tell looking, them right there. My camera. We don't know who the <laughs> hell you are, because I bet you so many MMA fans were watching this card saying, 
Who's that Who guy? are these guys? Who's this guy? Who's that guy? And it's because they had... Now, I'll give them the benefit benefit of the doubt saying that this is the first Mexico card, so maybe some of the Mexican fighters They did belong got, on the Mexican card, yeah. Yes, as big of a, a, a name thus far, but here's your chance. Yeah. This was your first fight, you know what I'm saying? In your home country, show your Mexican pride. Do something well, funny. They, they all delivered. Be yourself. They yeah, did. They all Physically, athleticism-wise, they, they, they did. out to fight. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. It, which is good. Every match delivered in the cage. Right. Uh, We're talking about outside Have the these guys mm-hmm. necessarily delivered uh, as personalities? No, not yet. And, and I don't begrudge that to the guys on the undercard uh, who are just debuting right. with the UFC through this, uh, this whole tough Latin American season. Um, but I'm speaking specifically that you know, Lamas versus Bermudez for me yeah, was yeah. the one that stuck out the most as being um, blank milk toast as a marquee match. Right, fantastic in the cage, and my I tip my hat to both those guys and their skills. But tell Dennis to be the menace that he says he is. Yeah, really, man. Go I, out and videotape he, yourself no, toilet papering some said, people's uh, he, he house, said, or you know. He said the only reason why he has a nickname is because his his next door neighbor was Mister Wilson. So I think it, well, I think oh. it probably has to do with the na- thing, that fact that it rhymes and the fact that there is a, well, uh, he, a character as name, well. If his name was Tom, it wouldn't be Tom the Menace. Yeah. His neighbor was Mr. Wilson. Yeah. Brings it all back to bacon there. Yeah. You know? There you but, go, Horge. Hey, Mr. Wilson. Uh, with, with Ricardo, this does, I, I think, put him uh, back into the mix. Well, he was ranked number four. He's ranked number four, yeah. Yeah, and, and it keeps him up there. In terms of uh, in terms of title matches, but I think, right. we, or at least discussing it, you know. But what do we, we've got? Uh, well, we've got Jose having well, just defended. We've got well, Conor- uh, the next fight, next week's fight, Frankie Edwards Cubs Swanson. Mm-hmm. That should be the number one contender fight. Yes, it should right, yeah. uh, especially if Swanson wins. Then we have Conor McGregor fighting Dennis, Dennis Seaver, Seaver in January. So. Yeah, we'll and see if something where, like, happens to one of those guys, and obviously Ricardo is probably the guy that you stick in there yeah. as a replacement for Boston. God forbid something yeah. happens to Connor for for the sake of the UFC, because oh, Dennis Seaver versus Ricardo Lamas in Boston. Again, it's <laughs> it's the same problem there. Oh boy, you know. Let's hope that, that they're Connor booking stays that Boston healthy. show. Yeah, uh, Connor is the linchpin to that mm-hmm. Boston show, to he be is. sure. And that's another thing, like. We were talking about earlier about um, champions being entertaining and keeping a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have so many people now coming for the belts. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember watching UFC even like four or five years ago. It wasn't this much. There wasn't this many contenders. Mm-hmm. Now we get new guys off the Ultimate Fighter every year. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're the next top tenner. They're the next contender for the title. You know, uh, Gilbert Burns. A guy we just saw fight, you know, my teammate mm-hmm. Christos Yagos. Everyone's already saying, oh, this kid's going to be danger in this uh, 155 yeah. weight class. We see guys coming out of the woodworks uh, nowadays yeah. going for that title shot super early into their UFC, into their MMA careers. And um, I think that's an, another important key factor for those title holders is not only to keep in shape and, of course, make sure you're at the top of your game, but be entertaining. Yeah. Be the title holder. You know what I mean? You're not going to have it forever. Yeah. Well, I, I, the guys that come off of tough, the, you know, the stars that come off of there, uh-huh. um, they do have to work their way up the ladder. And, you know, it's a nice segue into the, the next match. Yeah, right. The next fight. Kelvin Gastelum Perfect. is a great case in point. Um, now cracking into, excuse me, cracking into the top, uh, top 10. Um, but they, um, you know, you, you, Connor is a guy that's jumping over 
a lot of people, and, and there's debate, you know, in terms of his uh, whether he qualifies for a, a title match or not. One part of why he's getting that title match is because he's entertaining. It, and who do we always say talked his way his way into a title match? Chelsea Mr. Sonnen as well. Yeah, I mean it, it actually works, guys. You should I mean, try it. And it, if you got yeah. the skills to pay the bills in the cage, and you've got a personality. Dude, there's your there's your formula for success there. Because I get it. Yes, it's a sport, but they also got to sell pay per views. They yeah. also got to do ratings. It's so, not so. It's not all uh, personality. You got to be able to do it in the cage, and these guys can clearly. It, it does go both ways because you can compare it to any other sport. But all those sports are free. You can watch NBA on NBC or ABC, whatever it's on. Football right. on every baseball is on so much time, you know. But with fighting, it's a little bit different. Now you got to sell out arenas. Now you got you can't go alone on as much as I hate saying it. UFC, I don't think is strong enough to just sell out arenas just on the name. Well, who's going to be on the main event? Yeah, who's not anymore. It's not. Event? It yeah. used to. Well, it depends. It depends what on who's. I, wait, what do you mean? What, are you <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I, what I, do I mean? <laughs> I'm saying that I'm saying that UFC can't sell just by itself. Right. Not you even got, more. You like got to know to. what the main event is. Like you I'm going to go to UFC what the on Friday. Main event right. is. You know. Right. So I think that's where you got to come in and with the personality, with those press conferences. They have them yeah. for a reason. The press right. conferences, mm-hmm. the way in, they televise them for a reason. So yeah. yeah. Can you blame Conor McGregor for being the way he is? No. Because look where he's at. Can you imagine if he didn't have a mouth like that? I don't right? think anyone yeah. hates on him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, just his division, but that's... Well, besides the, yeah. opponent, the contenders. But as far as the fans, you know, I mean, I, that guy's, again, I, like I said it before, book a stadium in Ireland because that's who where he should be fighting because you'll sell it out immediately. Right. But also another good point is that he could also sell out here. I don't think you even have to take him in, to Ireland in to Boston, sell Boston, definitely. Yeah. And Texas, maybe not so much. That's the thing. you got to be careful. I mean, it's right. a few years ago when the UFC hit certain markets, they could sell out uh, w- without without worrying too much about it. Um, and that was the case with Mexico. I don't know if they announced the actual mm-hmm. event, uh, the main event. Uh, at the same time, they announced, but at, at any rate, but it's it was a new market. Be, it was always going to be built around Cain Velasquez, though. Right, right, right. Yeah. But it, it, when you go back to those to certain markets, when the UFC does, it doesn't necessarily sell out. It's not an automatic sellout like it was previously, but when it was a hotter ticket, right? Because there's a lot more events going on these days. Um, to your point, George, a little bit earlier, also another important part, guys, of of you fighters selling yourselves and delivering some kind of personality. And no, you don't have to be Chael. You don't have to be Connor. It doesn't have to just be about trash talk, but deliver that confidence. Humility is good. But why is it important that you deliver this personality? It's different. Uh, what George was saying about basketball or football, it's free. But also those are team sports. There is a logo to get behind. There is a legacy to get behind. And there's a lot of different guys to, to cheer behind. Right. With you, you are your brand. You're the only guy that is going to sell yourself as, as – I should rephrase this. Nobody's going to sell yourself as good as you can. All right. No one's going to have as much of a vested interest in you and your success as you. You are the single guy to write your own legacy. So do that. Give people something to rally behind. That's the biggest reason of all why you need to have some kind of personality besides simply saying, well, I'm going to let it all happen in the cage and let my actions and my victory speak for itself and I'll rack up a bunch of wins. And therefore, after that, they'll have to give me a title shot. No, they won't. Because if some other Irish shaved redhead, uh, yeah, redheaded ginger with a good mouth and and a look – a memorable look is going to come by and talk over you and get that shot. There goes your seven-fight win streak. There you go. Yeah, I mean, McGregor isn't the first Irish guy to be in the UFC. 
No. No. So I mean, that just goes to show that they're not just behind the guy. They're not just. Um, it's not just the rallying behind him because of his Ireland uh, descent. No. It's because of the guy. It's because of who he There's is. There's a reason why he's he's main eventing in Boston. Right. But yeah, Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin Gastelum. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Ellenberger took on Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin Gastelum won. He is ten and zero. Mm-hmm. I like Kelvin Gastelum a lot. Okay, like, here's and here's a ca- case in point. I don't mean to jump on the soapbox, no, no. but Kelvin Gastelum has an excellent story. He's undefeated. Uh, he's the l- the little train that could. Last guy picked uh, on the season of tough, as we were talking about. Love it. He, uh, he defeated Uriah Hall in the finals, mm-hmm. who, you, whom everyone picked as this next superstar. Uriah. You know what? He doesn't have a nickname yet. He should be Kelvin the Underdog Gastelum. Could be. Yeah. He has always been the underdog. He's always us underestimated, and he always proves yeah. out in the end. Like you said, the little little engine that could. I think yeah. he's a train. But and, and when you hear him in interviews, uh, he does deliver that confidence. He has no problem being the underdog. Right. He goes in there and says something that a lot of people might not believe he can deliver in the cage. Mm-hmm. Boom. He ends up doing so. Absolutely. And he's only 23 years old. Yeah. That's baby. He is a baby. And he he's was... almost young enough to date you. <laughs> 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 but he's he was, uh, you know, the co-main event of, mm-hmm. of, of a US, uh, UFC fight in Mexico City. And he's 23 years old. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Super competitive uh, challenge as well. He's, yeah. Jake, Jake Ellenberg is no joke. Yeah. He's been training over at... Uh, uh, with uh, GFC Diamond, uh, Ronda Rousey's uh, boxing coach, Edmund. Yeah, Ed- Edmund uh, Tarverdian. Yep. Jake so, has, you're saying. Yes, Jake has. So mm-hmm. at the beginning of the match, it was great footwork by both guys. It looked like like a good boxing square off. Uh, but then a gorgeous suplex by Ellenberger, yeah. which and resulted in the scramble that resulted to his loss. Mm-hmm. It was uh, so quick. Do you blink and you missed it? That's how quick El- uh, Gaslam is. It was Ellenberger. such good movement, though. Like, uh, he had his back, and that Jake Ellenberger had uh, Gaslam's back, and then Gaslam had Ellenberger's back, and then mm-hmm. next thing you know, rear naked choke is over. Yeah. Gaslam was on point here. Um, his counterpunching looked great. His grappling, forget about it, you know. Forget about uh, it. T- yeah, to be able to be in that scenario, turn it around, and, and get the choke that fast, really impressive. Um, and, and to say nothing uh, nothing negative, taking nothing away from, from Ellenberger, mm-hmm. um, Gastelum was just on uh, on the money tonight. It was his day. Yeah, it was his yeah. day. Uh, you saw and afterwards, his his post fight uh, post fight interview, he he was all heart, you know, screaming his ass off, talking about love in Mexico. And, I'm telling you, you know, I think he got the biggest applaud of the evening. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went crazy yeah. when yeah. he when he was screaming at the end. He might one of the he might be one of those guys where you build a future Mexico card around. De- oh, I think definitely. I think he's yeah. he's the future of Mexican fighters. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely uh, absolutely build a card around him next mm-hmm. time. And is he of? Uh, it should be clear. Is he of uh, Mexican descent specifically? So. Is he okay? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not totally sure about that, but shoot, his Spanish sounded on point. Yeah, I mean, he, he's <laughs> definitely he's definitely a guy. I like the fact that he's not rushing into things either as far as his career. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who – and even in the, po- in the post-fight uh, show, he was like, do you want a top five fighter? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I kind of want to kind of work my way up. I don't want to mm-hmm. rush myself into things and be put against guys that maybe I, I don't really 
don't think I'm ready for. So, I mean, I wouldn't say put him against, like, you know, Condit or Matt Brown, but maybe against a Tarek Sefadine or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a Damien Maya who are, right. would be excellent tests for him. So he's more about, let me let me test myself. And if not, I'm still 23 years old and I got a yeah. lifetime ahead of myself, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Now, Jay, is that post-fight press conference, that post-fight speech, the nonchalant kind of attitude you hate? Or is there something about Kelvin Gastelum in the way that he speaks that you like? Well, we're talking two different moments here. The the post-fight interview I thought was really exciting, heartfelt. I felt like he wore his heart on his sleeve, if right. you will. Right, okay, so um, you had that yeah. for him. The, the post-fight press conference, uh, I think he was a little bit more subdued, showed up in a suit. And, and that kind of thing always impresses me. It, again, also makes you stand out from uh, from the pack right. when, when you dress up. And and I'm a jeans and T-shirt kind of guy. I don't like – I don't typically rock a collared shirt if I don't have <laughs> Just to. Just for you guys after yeah. buzzers. Yeah. Um, but it uh, – you know, yeah, yeah, his, his post-fight comments were maybe a little less uh, – uh, a uh, little less spectacular, if you will, right. um, in, in the press conference. But wh- whatever. I mean, he gave, he showed emotion, you know, to a, to a huge extent. There. You don't like the Donald Cerrone Budweiser in hand, ripped jeans, and chewing tobacco. I don't and mind flip. that as well because Cerrone gives you his personality. You know who he is. I love. There him. is a cowboy hat. There is a beer in his hand. You know he's going out like. I, w- I was going to say partying, not partying. He's going out daredeviling by himself yeah. afterwards. You know, he is a party animal, but he also is a yeah. daredevil to the to the max. Um, yeah, he. I think he went like skydiving before his last fight, like mm-hmm. three days before the fight. And Dana White's like, "What the hell? What the hell are you doing?" He hates that kind of stuff. But and the point is, shows you know who he is, right? Right. We're talking about him and right now. That's the driving home point. You don't have to copy somebody. You find what you are and you push that out to the max. It's really just like pro wrestling from the, when, when the, when the story or, or when the formula came out in the nineties between, you know, The Rock or Mick Foley, Stone Cold Steve Austin, they found one part of themselves, tapped into it and then, uh, amplified it right. for the world to see. That's personality. That's getting over. That's the it factor. Yeah. It's just, I think it's really just, allowing the fans to relate to you whether it's in mm-hmm. a negative way a positive way an emotional way like we saw in the ultimate fighter last week with mm-hmm. rose namajunas i mean even her just opening up and telling us something about her you know her dark past mm-hmm. made us relate to her and like her so likability comes from all different angles you know the ronda rousey mm-hmm. mean mugging she, ronda rousey doesn't shit talk she just has an att- <laughs> she says what she believes she says what she thinks and she has yep. a bit of an attitude and you know people either love her or hate her but mm-hmm. you know she's making yeah. a million so yeah she's doing no, something right absolutely it does come from all angles uh are you talking about the main event or not yet yeah i, I, say, I think before, we're there right before you talk about the main event just 60 seconds two minutes which mm-hmm. is right now go leslie smith versus jessica i uh. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Ear versus Jessica I. The, yeah, the I beat the ear. Oh, my One of the goriest, uh, goriest openings we've ever Listen, seen. Listen, I in like sport. gory. I, I can deal with bloody noses and busted lips and busted eyes and cuts on everywhere. But yeah. this. Let's explain it. I'll though. explain. Okay, Go so Jessica Evil Eye w- was definitely punishing Leslie on the feet. They had a good back and forth uh, uh, match going on. But Jessica Evil Eye hit Leslie Smith so hard with a right hand. Leslie's, uh, Leslie's got some cauliflower ear, which on is her funny because like right. whenever you hear see a fighter with cauliflower ear, they take that as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like that's like that's good for them, whether they're a wrestler or a jujitsu person. It's like hey, I yeah. think that's the same with Leslie too. I'm sure she yeah, uh, I'm she saying takes so. Pride. It's like yeah, yeah. So I wish I had him. 
<laughs> uh, some people do. I talk to people, my teammates all the time about it. Uh, we laugh. Like some people wear headgear and we're like, oh, why are you wearing headgear, you bitch? You know, I, I, <laughs> I want cauliflower ear. And then others are like, like me, for example. I'm like, I don't want it. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't mind it. It really doesn't matter. But um, Leslie Smith definitely wears it as a badge, mm-hmm. badge of honor. She's that type yeah, of girl. Um, all fighters pretty much do. They do. Yeah. They do. It's part of their, you know, their training. It's how they get it. But uh, it got oh sliced right in half at the top. So the ear that left hook popped that bad boy open like I'm gonna, uh, if you watch the the slow motion replay you see the blood it looks like a like a horror film or like when you're walking through like a haunted house and they squirt the blood at you you guys ever been in those ones they're scary but and it like squirts out oh it's horrible in in americana in american history there is the reference to old faithful the geyser right that just shoots up water right this was mm. leslie smith's ear is Old Faithful, the the cauliflower geyser that shot out this giant spurt of blood. Yeah. And in the middle of a match, easily the uh, just the ugliest, wickedest thing that yeah. I've seen in a long what time. What was worse was when they went to their corner after round mm-hmm. one and you got the close-up on the ear and you saw the bone. Mm-hmm. And Yo. then the pictures afterwards. You, you can see the ear, whatever's in your ear. I don't know, the cartilage, the bone, whatever it is. Yeah. The, it, it was peeled open and the, the entire ear was coming off of the mm. top. It, it was And then, yeah. mind you, after round one, you can see that close up, but the fight kept going. Oh, she didn't want to stop. She was like, no, no, yeah, no, don't stop. Yeah, but don't the stop fight it, kept going. They went back into the fight and then finally, thankfully, her Herb Dean. Dean was like, you know what? No more. The blood we, started coming out more in the second round. Once they saw that the ear was in two pieces, it was like, we, this literally, this fight cannot continue. Yeah. Of course, Leslie Smith was upset, but rightfully so, but it's for her own best. Really Trust me, Leslie. Yeah. Trust me. It's for your own good. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me back to um, Kimbo Slice and James Thompson. Yeah. Fought in Lead XC in, I want to say 2008, I believe. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, another, uh, James Thompson, Colossus. Has another really big cauliflower, right? And, and um, Kimbo uh, threw, uh, I believe, actually also another uh, a right hook or right straight or something on on Thompson and his ear. It wasn't as bad as Leslie's, but he must have plop, popped a, a blood vessel or something there because James's ear started bleeding as well. Yeah, that was a, if a pretty it was nasty just one. The cauliflower popping, I may have been able to deal with it, but the fact that the ear ripped as well, mm-hmm. it yeah. sent me over. So you're okay if it was – oh, if, if it popped and it was just blood. If it, Yeah, if it was just like coming out of the cauliflower. What if it was like the pus or the water? The I would vomit all over your face. That just earned us an explicit, I bet you. Because you, <laughs> yeah. you were sitting next to me, Jay, when I was watching. I would have went <laughs> – Oh, thank you. George is showing. <laughs> thank you. Hey, we've, we've got to find some uh, photos for this episode of, of UFC After Buzz oh, anyway. Yeah. And, so and put the, the we know gear. exactly what we're bringing Let's get you to guys. the main event before we uh, yeah. run out of time here. Verdun versus uh, Mark Hunt, obviously. Round one, Hunt had a knockdown. Uh, his famous, you know, when he knocks the a right guy hunt. down, he kind of just mm-hmm. stands there and waits for him to get back up. He uh, Rightfully so, he's not going to go to the ground with uh, a guy like Verdun. Mm-hmm. Probably the best... I'd say one of the best. I think the other guy would be Frank Mir, but one of the best jujitsu practitioners ever in the heavyweight division. Yeah, mm-hmm. ever I, definitely. Yeah, he's that, no, he's known for his guard. He has a wicked guard, even in the eyes of top jujitsu black belts all over the country. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, Joe Rogan was saying while he had Mark Hunt in his guard. It made me scared for a minute. I was like, it's all going to end here. It's all going to go bad. I but mean, I predicted second round submission by Fabricio. It was close, but you were close. But what happened? He knocked. He got knocked out instead. 
Verdum flying knee knocked Mark Hunt out with a flying knee. It's the apocalypse. If something is going to knock out Mark Hunt or or at least drop him, you know, it's it, got to be a knee. It would be a flying knee. Yeah, uh, it's not the first time that that Mark has been finished by strikes. To be fair, but yeah. that said, um, yeah, the big story here, you know, was Fabricio being really. Uh, uh, in tuned with the altitude and, and the cardio, and frankly, you know, probably being in better shape than Mark. He was definitely in better shape. You could tell by the movement of the mm-hmm. fight, uh, you know, just in the beginning of the first round there, that he, it seemed like he was more fluid. It seemed like he yeah. wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I would have given that first round to Mark Hunt, though. I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So Mark uh, played a smart strategy of. Wanting to keep it striking. Fabricio has done this before. Fabricio will bait you into his guard. Did this with Fedor right. when he got him. He tried to do this with Alistair Overeem, who wasn't having anything to it. And then and Overeem ended up winning the match, um, you know, by rather lackluster, uh, one-sided decision. Right. Um, I think it could. If, if things had gone wrong, uh, it could have been the same same kind of match between Hunt and Verdum, right. where Verdum just keeps falling and Hunt. Uh, you know, let's him back up, and no, let's let's swing. That was the right strategy for Hunt, but unfortunately, he got caught standing, and uh, that happens. And uh, you know, Fabricio Verdum is the the better man for the night because of it. Yeah, I had to I had to give the first round to Mark Hunt just because of that knockdown. I mean, he knocked mm-hmm. it, knocked him on yeah, his he, ass. He with got that. him he got him flush with a couple good shots too, not yeah, just that right he hook. Did. But just Verdum had that awesome spinning back kick though. Two yeah. of them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one in round one and one in round two, I believe. Uh, so he definitely, they definitely had their their fair amount of trades, mm-hmm. but because of that knockdown, I'd give it to Mark Hunt. Yeah, and and Hunt was not nearly as threatened when he was in the guard in the first round uh, in Verdum's guard uh, when Verdum got him to the ground. Right. Uh, Hunt was in there, but Hunt was he was working, he was you know dropping some uh, dropping some bombs, uh-huh. and uh, he wasn't uh, wasn't necessarily really um, threatened in, in the way that uh, Verdum caught Fedor, for example, that right, long ago. Right. Um, yeah, I thought the first round definitely was Hunt, and uh, you know, second round was what it was. I think if there's a, a tale to this match, if there's a story to this match, it's mm. that Fabricio Verdum's striking over the past couple years has taken a turn. I mean, <laughs> really, this is a guy that used to be a jiu-jitsu practitioner in MMA. Now he's an MMA fighter mm-hmm. with amazing jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. He really is a guy that can finish people now, and I'm... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kudos to his striking coach for making that turn because he knocked out Mark Hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though his next fight is obviously against Cain Velasquez, I really want to see what he can do against Junior Dos Santos the second time around. A rematch, yeah. yeah. It would now that he's definitely turn better, out a lot different. Pretty much. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, no disrespect to Junior Dos Santos, who is one of the best strikers, boxers in MMA. Right. But for Verdun, 2014 is a whole nother guy. Right. There's got a spark in that guy that we have not seen. In a while, not just from himself, but from you know, it'd be good. Two sturdy, uh, two long, sturdy guys going at it. uh, You know, going at it, striking. Although I think it's safe to say JDS probably has a better, uh, better boxing between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, like I said, JDS is probably the best boxer in all of MMA heavyweight division. Maybe all of the MMA to begin with. You know, boxing against. Stand up in MMA is like a different world now. It's like, yeah, he can have great boxing. That's awesome. But does that leave him open for takedowns? Does that leave him open for spinning back kicks? Yeah, or apparently a flying knee. Or apparently a flying knee. That's why I think him and Kane match up so well. Because what's Kane's best attribute? His wrestling. Mm -hmm. What's Fabricio's best attribute? His jiu-jitsu. His ground game. So it's kind of like, do I want to take him down and keep him there? But then again, Fabricio has his jiu-jitsu. So... 
From my experience watching fights like that, they always say, okay, let's stay away from the ground. Let's both stand and And it becomes strike. a standing match. And it becomes yeah. a standing match, which... Hey, I love. But, but that's a good thing about Kane is he's a great stand-up guy. To outstrike Junior Dos Santos yeah. is impressive. So, Absolutely. again, Fabricio getting better from the last few years. I really hope they fight soon and nobody gets hurt. Me so. too. Uh, or like- else we'd probably be talking about a whole other fight right. last night. Right. So who knows? Um, just a few announcements. We have Holly Holm out on injury, which I'm super bummed about. Mm-hmm. She was really a highly anticipated uh, female coming into the bantamweight division. Uh, she's a high a level boxer. High level boxer, uh, world a, champ. Yep, pretty impressive wins uh, in leading up to her her, uh, her UFC signing. Right uh, in, in MMA, that is. Um, so now we have Raquel Pennington with no opponent. Mm-hmm. We were talking about it. And which uh, event was that again? Uh, December sixth. December sixth. Oh, yeah. okay. The pay per view, eighty one. I um, say either we said Rim Nakai or um, Betch Kohei. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's without a fight. Maybe one kind of, of a step down place. for Betch Correa. That's, that's what I said. She's on her four horsewoman yeah. rant. Let her keep going. Yeah, especially they <laughs> but, just uh, announced too. Uh, Misha Tate versus Sarah McMahon. I'm yeah. excited for that fight. What do you, I think Misha Tate's going to kick her ass, but oh, maybe we'll see. That's one, of those, that's one of those things where it's takedown defense. It's it, takedown versus takedown yeah, defense. But yeah. either who whoever wins, it's like, well, where do you go next? You're not going to face Ronda because Ronda, you're going to lose. Yeah, but again, yeah, I don't know. I kind of want to see a Ronda Misha trilogy. I don't think right now is the time for it. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm sorry. Apologies to anybody in the uh, to Misha and anybody in the Misha camp. I that wasn't directed at Misha, but that's you know that harkens back to the Ken and Tito trilogy, of which there was very little point for the third one. I don't other think than, so. I disagree. Other than a business decision to get over and and expand. That, uh, I disagree. That I disagree. What is Every, the reason? I'll tell you. The first time Misha and Ronda fought, yes, it was a clean slate. Ronda wiped her on the floor. Mm-hmm. The second time they fought, it went to it went to the third round or the fourth round? The third, third round. And Misha was, well, Misha made the mistake, in my opinion, with trying to wrestle with Ronda Rousey, judo mm-hmm. Olympian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if Misha would not be so stubborn next time around, the third time, and not wrestle with Ronda and maybe hit her in the face like she hates to happen. Yeah. Ronda hates getting hit in the face. We all know that. And I think if Misha can strike with her a little bit, I think Ronda – I think it's so the you best think chance. The argument is third time's a charm. <laughs> honestly. I honestly think that Misha – Tell that to Ronda. See how she goes for that one. I'm not saying Misha could beat her. I'm not saying Misha's better than her. But I am saying that she deserves that third chance because I think she would do better than anybody else right now that we've seen thus far. Not over Kat Zingano. No, Kat Zingano. Oh, I, yeah, I think Kat Zingano is going to get wiped by Ronda Rousey. Ooh. I don't think so. The, Kat Zingano is a slow starter. Ronda Rousey is one of the fastest starters in the sport, women and men argument. included. Yeah. There's no way Kat Zingano is going to be able to deal with the pace that Ronda Rousey comes out with. No way, no how. Unless she can. No. Unless she, <laughs> unless, unless she never know. Ronda down. Nope. We're going to make a bet on it. Not going to happen. Who wins, who wins next week? Frankie Edgar or Cup Swanson? I like Frankie Edgar. Well, yeah, I know you like him, but who's going to win? He's <laughs> from New Jersey. Who's going to win, though? I, I do like Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar. I'm going with Frankie Edgar as well. And I got to go with Cub Swanson. Oh, you Fair asshole. enough. <laughs> All, All right. right, guys, we're wrapping it up. Jay, where can we find you? I am on your internets and social media, JTan716. Uh, Mom, start the water for the pasta. I'll be home soon. You stole that one from me. No. I'm having spaghetti tonight, maybe. You? you can find me at G Hermosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on MySpace, on Vine, on Vimeo, on YouTube. 
You are not on Vine. You're not on MySpace. I am on MySpace. He is also on Mash- Ashley Madison. And I'm on JDate, too. And Match.com. <laughs> uh, Daria Baronado. You can find me at DariaB28 on all your social media. You can also find me at Daria, the Jersey Devil Baronado, which is my new Facebook page. Go and like it. See you guys later. And watch your fight on YouTube. Go find it. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! Buzz you later. (laughs) (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.